You're listening to the New Hope Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about New Hope, including our service times and events, please visit newhopebc.org. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Reese Stenner. From our first reading now, from Luke chapter 2, perhaps you would expect me to read uh, these words. Uh, My pastor first asked me to to do this reading when I was 14 years old, never really stopped ever since, and so I just love this passage of Scripture. We'll have a second reading after that a little later too. So Luke 2, verse 18, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, say this verse with me, everyone, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And all God's people said, Amen. R.G. Lee was a great Baptist preacher who died in 1975, and he spoke some of the most amazing words about the first coming of Christ. Listen to these words. From the heights of glory to the depths of shame, from the wonders of heaven to the wickedness of earth, from exaltation to humiliation, from the throne to the tree, from dignity to debasement, from worship to wrath, from the halls of heaven to the nails of earth, from the coronation to the curse, from the glory place to the gory place. In Bethlehem, humility and glory in their extremes were joined, born in a stable, cradled in a cattle trough, wrapped in swaddling clothes of poverty. No room for him who made all rooms, no place for him who made and knows all places. Oh, deep humiliation of the creator born of the woman. But in his descent was the dawn of mercy. Because we cannot ascend to him, he descends to us. And if you're thankful for that, would you give God praise? Everyone, thank the Lord that Jesus has come to us. So in these services, it's right for us to, to read from either Luke 1 to 2 or Matthew 1 to 2 because that's where we really get all the Christmas nativity scenes, uh, all, all the Jesus art throughout history, borrow that, those uh, images and pictures from those four chapters of the New Testament. But the rest of the New Testament, another 950 chapters, tells us much about this Christ who was born of a virgin nonetheless born just as you and I were born. I want to encourage you that the Savior that came into the world came to our same world of suffering and brokenness as well, and that was all around him in that story. One of the most remarkable things about Jesus as he grew in stature is that he resisted 
temptation. That's something that you and I have never managed to fully pull off. We might do it occasionally, but Jesus always resisted temptation. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity said this, only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. Christ, because he was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is also the only man who knows to the full what temptation means. Isn't that remarkable that the Jesus who came to earth resisted temptation? He was the perfect man, the perfect sacrifice who died on the cross. And I want to encourage you today, Jesus Christ ministers perfectly to you and I as well. There's nothing lacking in the ministry of Jesus in your life right now. If you lift your life and hand your life over to Jesus and you call out to him, the things that he gives you will be the things that you need and it will be perfect. Just what you and I need in your life. Our second reading is from Mark chapter 2. John's gospel does not tell us of the shepherds and the wise men. It begins in heaven and says, in the beginning was the word. And Mark's gospel neither brings those same birth narratives. Mark's gospel stands, stands at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus and declares that he is a servant. And so Mark chapter 2 carries on this theme with Jesus being here on earth. So I want you to know that the baby was born at that first Christmas time was no disappointment, quite the opposite. Uh, sometimes we can crown a king and be disappointed in him. Jesus was worthy of all glory and praise, glory in the highest when he was born, and he continued to bring glory to God all around him. So Mark chapter 2, let's look down. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. It's a big group of men. Four of them are selected to be the carriers. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof. That would be difficult here. It's pretty high, isn't it? But they made an opening in that uh, roof of that house uh, above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the man, lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And I want to say to that, by the way, precisely. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. It's an interesting phrase. That's what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. And again, all God's people say, Amen. Amen to that as well. So Jesus is healing in Capernaum. Luke's gospel shares that in the same story, the power of the Lord was present. And so the people went to him as quickly as they could. 
The place is packed, and a small group of four men try to take their paralyzed friend to Jesus. They've probably carried the man some way already. They may already be, be a little frustrated and tired, and now they find out that entry is denied. So many people crowd around Jesus that they are prevented from getting to him, but notice that the friends were not discouraged. If you're burdened for a soul, for a friend, for a child, for a grandchild, you will pray for them and you will do whatever it takes in order to get them to Jesus. And so they climb up to the roof, carrying the man who could barely move. Just imagine that. It must have been really awkward. Just imagine, by the way, you're the one being carried. It's kind of not a pleasant experience. You'd, you'd like to think that that man was on board with the whole concept. Otherwise, he'd have been pretty discouraged. They didn't mind what it looked like. They didn't mind that it wasn't usually done. They just had to get to the shortest and surest way to Jesus. I'll say again, if the power of the Lord is present, then better get close to the Lord. I imagine these men as like Londoners. Excuse me, love, as they get their way up to the roof. Sorry about the roof, mate. I don't know why, I just imagine them Londoners. They kind of say the kind of things that a Londoner would say as they're kind of awkwardly carrying a man up towards the roof. But they get him to Jesus as quickly as they can. They were like the shepherds who hurried to Bethlehem. They were also like the wise men who purposefully and with determination go all the way until they find Jesus. And yes, wise men still seek. And then the word says literally that they dig into the roof. They improvise. Dust starts to fall down. Bits of reeds and branches that made up the roof rustle and snap and break. Beams are pushed apart, probably carefully avoiding danger beneath them. A few people start coughing in the sanctuary as well as sunlight pours in and temperatures start to rise. What a noise. Hey, be quiet. We want to hear Jesus. I wonder if I might have been one of those that wanted to hear Jesus so much that I didn't notice that something very holy was taking place around me. I do want to say this. We should never let our refined spirituality and our favorite song blind us to the fact that people need Jesus. And so they lower the man down. I imagine a little bit like how they lowered down the lifeboats of the Titanic. Uh, every um, dramatization I've seen of that was a very awkward experience. It didn't work as well as appeared to be in the design. And so they're awkwardly trying to lower this mat. They'd never done it before. They're lowering a paralyzed man on a mat, four of them, somehow dangling this man down. You can almost see the congregation going like, ooh, they almost want to sort of uh, intervene and help him along the way. It was a messy maneuver that says, my friend needs Jesus. I want to pause there and say, this does not mean that we should do weird, distracting stuff that hinders people from worshiping Christ. Um, have you ever noticed, like, and this is like the same thing at the other two services, everyone was so attentive as we are here today as well. It's a beautiful, concentrating congregation. I remember I invited my friend Massimo Dinardo, who was a brilliant soccer player for the Internazionale or Inter Milan soccer team in the early 80s when Italy were the, the best team in the world. And uh, so I'd been witnessing to Massimo for two summers. He stayed with us and uh, finally got him along to church towards the end of his stay. And I was so excited about this. Now, my church, Timoth Baptist, was just a fantastic church. Almost every service was magnificent. It just so happened to be that was like the worst service we'd ever had. Like, if anything could go wrong, it went wrong in that service. And so I'm sat there with Massimo going like, oh, no, oh, dear, oh, no. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but you brought your friend along, and, and the pastor's like, Pastor, what are you saying right now? And so we should never be a distraction to those around us. We should 
should always make sure that everything we do enables people to worship Christ and to know Jesus better. Can I have an amen for that? And the same thing applies in our homes as well. And I want to say, oh, maybe there's just someone on the radio. It would never happen in this congregation, I'm sure. But maybe there's someone on the radio right now. And I want to say to you, oh, drama queen or drama king of your family, why not go the whole Christmas season with attention on the divine drama on the holy family and not your own feelings? It'll go a lot better that way, amen. You'll get the victory that way, sister or brothers. We all need to get to Jesus unhindered. The good fellows carrying the mat actually also got a good front row seat as well. They were looking down on Jesus. If you bring someone to Christ, you will get an even greater blessing yourself as well. I'm so thankful they didn't give up and say, yeah, there's just too many people. We'll have to wait till he's in Bethsaida next week or whatever. I thank God that they were determined to get to know Christ that day. Everybody needs Jesus this very day. Can I have an amen to that one as well, Brother Chris? Let worship be a priority. And the New Testament knows nothing of once a month Christianity. In the New Testament, they were all in. They actually met every day. And every Lord's Day was a high day and a special day. I see a sister in Christ out of the back row there. And sister, I believe that for, for many, many years, you've only, you've only not been in Sunday school on one or two occasions. And that simply was when we didn't meet at Sunday school. Leroy, your wife is a, an absolute star and a champion. I just bless you, sister, for your faithfulness. So many people are faithful here in small groups every week. Can, I, can you put your hands up if you're part of one of our family groups? Let's give God God praise for all our groups so many of you let's give up God praise for that and I encourage you to be faithful here's a challenge that I gave to the previous two services at the South Campus can you imagine being in church you just start the year so well that you're in church for the first of six weeks January the 7th we start all the way through till Daryl Strawberry comes can you make sure that you're in church every one of the first six weeks let's start really strong together and that forms healthy habits because we need to worship Christ we need to be around Jesus I can't think of how we could possibly exist if we didn't have the Lord in our life uh, so uh, we've just basically told the story how these guys climb up this roof break it open, lower the guy down to Jesus, and there he is before Jesus. In the time that we've got left, I want us to see the perspective of Jesus Christ. How does he see you this Christmas time, and how does he see me? The first thing I see here in the passage is that Jesus sees their faith in verse 5. Jesus looks for faith. The eyes of God across the world are looking for those who have faith in him, and he could see the faith of those men that made the effort to invite that man into a relationship with Jesus. Jesus sees faith. Faith is a gift. At the same time, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We need faith. I encourage you, my brother and sister, this Christmas time, whatever's going on in your life or in the world, have faith in Jesus Christ and you'll never be disappointed. Secondly, Jesus forgives sins. It's again there in verse five when Jesus says to this man, son, we don't know whether this man was uh, younger than Jesus in the way that he calls him son, though of course Christ is the ancient of days. He's the eternal one. So Jesus can say that to any one of us, but he says, son, your sins are forgiven. What's the whole point of the Christmas message? Matthew 1.21, he shall save his people from their sins. Pastor, you just said sin. Yes, I said sin. It's very important for us to understand why Jesus came. If you could say that you could be right with God without being forgiven, you're saying that Jesus came for nothing and that Jesus died for nothing. 
I'm telling you the most important thing that ever happened in human history is that Jesus came into this world, died on the cross, and rose again. Why did he do that? So that he could forgive us our sins. So we could pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Jesus forgives sins. What a wonderful truth that is. Uh, I pray that you will have faith today. I pray that your sins will be forgiven. You know something, if you've been a Christian for a while, you know that God's already forgiven all of your sins, but when you sin on a particular day, um, it, it's, it's a good thing that the Holy Spirit convicts us and we go like, oops, something's wrong in my life and we confess that sin and God can forgive the sins of that day as well as of all those previous sins. Then maybe someone here today and you've never asked God for forgiveness. You've never repented of your sins. Can I just tell you, friend, he can forgive you of every sin that you've ever committed in the past and in the present and in the future as well. What an amazing, gracious, forgiving God we serve. Jesus Christ forgives sins. Would you give him praise for the forgiveness of sins? Here's the thing, though. If, if you've got faith in Jesus... And if your sins have been forgiven, really, you've got just about all you need. You're actually going to be equipped for everlasting life. That's the most important treasure you can ever have uh, to have a relationship with God. I, I pray that you'll get some nice presents. In fact, Bria whispered to me, uh, just as I sat down near Pastor Al, Bria whispered to me, she said, um, do you know that tomorrow is Christmas Day? And that's absolutely right, Bria. Thank you for that good word. And I'm looking forward to Christmas Day. Who's looking forward to Christmas Day? In our home, we have stockings in the morning. And so a few of us, we have stockings in our respective families. Then we gather for lunch, and then we get into the big presents. And I love presents as well. But here's one thing I've noticed about presents. I don't know about you, but we get lots of presents in our family. We love giving gifts to each other. We all sit around, and we watch each one open each. It takes like hours, hours and hours. And then at the end of the day, you know how you have, and Louise is so tidy, we, little piles of presents appear after a while. So there's Louise's pile, and, and we get a, actually, isn't that, aren't we blessed if we actually get not just one, but a pile of presents? I was talking to my mum on the phone this week, and I said, what was Christmas like when you were a little girl? She said, well, we would get a book, and it would say like, to Mary, love from mummy and daddy, Christmas 1948, and we would get a book. And now these days, we seem to get so much stuff, don't we? But there's one thing, I'm, and I love presents, and there's one thing, like, even if you get, like, the best present you can ever have, I can remember getting a replica Manchester United jersey. Yes. It was, like, in the 1970s, and it was, it was the 1958 uh, Munich team. Anyway, so it was a special. But after a while, I remember this, I remember this uh, replica jersey just faded a little bit, and then the red and the white kind of started to, to mingle in together, and it got a little bit orangey. And I don't know about you, but when you get your pile of presents, a few days later, you go, like, where did the pile go? If you notice, I don't know what it is about a pile of presents, but they all disappear after a while. And you can have the most wondrous presents, but after a while, those presents kind of disappear. Give me a wave if you have that same experience. You go like, what happened to all the presents? And so we wear them, and sometimes they break, and they don't work any longer. I wish and I pray that you will have some lovely Christmas presents this Christmas. May the Lord bless you in such a way. If you have the forgiveness of sins, and if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you have something that will never spoil or rust or fade. What a great blessing that is. Nonetheless, you might say, okay, pastor, I know that. I'm, I'm rejoicing in the Lord, but hey, I've still got this problem right now. Can I also encourage you, my brother and sister, Jesus also cares for our well-being. 
Jesus cared for the man and he forgave him his sins and there is faith in the house that day, but Jesus also healed the man as well. That means that Jesus understands your situation. And we know that we, we sometimes have to wait for heaven till we get the full healing. My dear friend Don Boykin, I stood next to him at the South Campus and held my candle alongside Don because many of you will know his story that his wife passed away in July. And so he would say, and we did a podcast together, it's just come out, and he would say that we had, you know, we'll have to wait for heaven for that miraculous healing. There are miraculous healings on earth. I know that many of you have had that and we pray for one another. Sometimes we have to wait to heaven, but I do want want you to know that Jesus cares for your needs. My God will supply for all my needs according to his riches in glory. God cares for you. He knows about, we've got sportsmen in the house. We've got a number of super talented sportsmen here. So I'm looking around the room, baseball and soccer and football. You've got some real superstars here. God knows about that injury. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows about that team spirit and that awkward coach that you may have to deal with. But I thank God that he cares for your needs. Fourthly, he knew the objections that people were thinking about himself. And that's a remarkable phrase that we saw in verse 8. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? There may be someone here today and you, you came to church because you're being nice to your parents. Are you being nice to your grandparents? Or you're trying really hard to be impressive to your girlfriend's parents? And we're glad to see you, we really are, we're so thankful. There may be someone else, but it may even be that you got dragged along and you're just a little skeptical about this whole thing. Skeptical about Jesus, doubting maybe the things that I'm even declaring today. I wanna to give you a word today that only Jesus sees you when you're sleeping and only Jesus knows when you're awake. And it's there in the passage, Jesus knows exactly what you're thinking. And, and I just want you to consider that. There you are in all your doubt and Jesus knows all about your doubt anyway. Would you just, and I know that you're doubting whether Jesus actually knows whether you're doubting, but I'm telling you, my friend, he knows if you're doubting because we saw testimony of that, the, of, in that passage on the same occasion when he miraculously enables a paralyzed man to get up, take up his mat and walk. He's an awesome God. And I just want to encourage you, I used to catch the train every morning from a place called Tynmouth uh, to Exeter, the, the ancient Roman city, 15 minute uh, train ride, we'd go past the sea and then past the river, one of the most beautiful train rides in the world. I would always get there a few minutes early, just in case I missed the train to work, and I'd go in the waiting room. The waiting room was like, it was even colder in the waiting room than it was outside. I don't know how that was possible, but there was a tiny little fire inside, and I sort of would huddle up to the fire, I'd be in the waiting room. Then the train would come along. Let me tell you something, if you stay, if you're in doubt, or you're in skepticism and you stay in the waiting room, you're gonna have a very bad experience and not a great life. There comes a time when, you, when the train goes by, the train of faith goes by, you gotta get out of that waiting room, need to get on that train and God will take you where you need to be. Let me encourage you. Jesus knows what you're thinking. Finally, Jesus causes rejoicing. Verse 12, he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. A man was brought to Jesus, he was forgiven and healed, and the result was that the entire community, the city of Capernaum, was filled with joy. And I would say, in 2024, may we see people coming to Christ, former skeptics, people who were far from God, may they turn to Christ and have a testimony, and may that lead to great joy, even in this community. 
Thank you for listening. Be sure to rate us and hit subscribe to hear more encouraging podcasts from New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at newhopebc.org.